do design decisions involve value judgments? Andy Halliwell has gone and posted this question on LinkedIn as part of our redesigning D&T project and debates. I think this is a really tricky one to answer and our expert group felt that it was an important question that needed debating. Do design decisions involve value judgments? I think firstly, I'd be saying, what do you mean by a value judgment, a values judgment? And maybe in your response to Andy's question, you'll explore what you understand and what your views are of what value judgments are and then whether they actually impinge on or affect the design decisions that designers make and also that children make in D&T lessons. So do join the debate. We're always open to conversation and discussion on this. But for now, on to the next episode. This is the Talking D&T podcast, episode 30. Welcome to the Talking D&T podcast with me, Alison Hardy, a podcast for anybody interested in design and technology education, where I'll be sharing news, views, ideas and opinions about D&T. This podcast is an unusual podcast as it's not being released on a Tuesday. I'm releasing it midweek because I... I'm responding to the news this week of the murder of George Floyd in America and the ascendancy and right ascendancy again of the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Now, this is something that I know that I'm talking about from a position of white privilege and as a white individual. And I don't understand the type of prejudice or cannot relate to and haven't experienced the type of prejudice that people of colour experience day in, day out. I have an understanding of the prejudice as a female and as a female academic and as a female design and technology teacher, but an understanding of the prejudice faced by people of colour is something that I can respond to and engage with and take action on from my position of white privilege. So I'm saying all of this knowing that I don't know all the answers and knowing that I don't even know all of the questions but I feel that I should not use that as a reason to remain silent. And so this week's podcast or this extraordinary podcast is a step into that forum about the colours within the design and technology curriculum and how people of colour are represented, shown and placed and part of the design and technology curriculum. I initially started to think about this um, earlier this year when I read an article by Rebecca Harris in the British Education Research, uh, it wasn't in the journal, it was in their practice magazine, which is very similar to the Design and Technology Practice magazine in terms of that it's um, thought pieces um, or summary pieces about people's research. And Rebecca is at the University of Reading working in the School of Education and is a historian. I used to work with Rebecca um, back in the day when I was teaching down in Gloucestershire. And Rebecca wrote a very thoughtful and um, provoking argument in terms of, or challenging argument, I would say, about um, decolonising the history curriculum in terms of that very much what we teach or what is taught is from a white Western perspective. And particularly when you're talking about history education is about the empire and about colonialism and how is that talked about within school education and history. And that got me to thinking about, well, what about design and technology education? How do we respond um, to 
decolonizing the curriculum? How do we sort of move from it being a very white centric curriculum? Now, as I said, I'm, I'm not claiming that I have all the answers and I'm still on an exploratory journal and I will be for the rest of my life as I try and unpick and understand the things that I do that represent the familiar, the unfamiliar, the unknown, the challenging in a way that makes myself think differently about design and technology and therefore the people I engage with hopefully think differently about design and technology. But the way it got me thinking about design and technology education was to start to think about um, a podcast that I did a while back about design and technology icons. And I asked people to share with me who they held as their D&T icon, who were the people in the field of design, technology, engineering, product design, architectural design, fashion design, uh, food development, whichever field that had, um, was their person that they would hold up. And the person that I held up was somebody called Henry Maudsley. I talked about him back in that podcast. And then when I look back, I think, so the examples that I was using and most of the examples that people shared with me and the images people shared with me were of white Western designers. And I thought, hang on, this is a, a very um, particular perspective, an exclusive perspective on who creates good design, who are the designers to think about and challenge, who have changed the world or have changed the way I think or have changed the way people live or what we wear and what we do. So I'm putting that out there about thinking about who are the D&T icon, icons that are people of colour and where would we find them? And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I, I don't have all the answers and I don't know um, who I would look to at the moment. I'm on exploration and so I'm hoping that this podcast might get people to think, well, I can suggest somebody, Alison, I know, or I am somebody, Alison, that we should be using as a case study in design and technology as a as a representation of beyond the white Western world. So that's that's one thing is who are the design and technology icons that are people of colour from different parts of the globe that are also in the West, that are in the East, that are in different continents that we can use as case studies of examples of strong and powerful design and designers. And so then looking at products or systems or architecture or, or whatever things that we, we design within design and technology or contemplate within design and technology. Who are the, where are the products that have been designed by people of color that we can use and exemplify and use as good case studies or products to use in design and technology? And again, that's something that I'm hoping that people come forward with some ideas and suggestions of so we can build up a database or um, some some ways of, of sharing those ideas and that, that practice. Because as I said, I, I don't know the answers. I'm, I'm just putting this out there as questions because these are things that perplex me and, and, and bother me that as I start to think about this subject that I love, that I realise that from my perspective where I sit and what I see, it's very white and Western, which... I want to challenge because it's something that we're doing within the university sector where sort of um, that sort of we are looking at uh, decolonizing the curriculum where we're saying are all the books that we're using who writes them you know are we still saying hearing from the same voices we need to hear from different voices because that challenges our perceptions about education and the way we think and so that's where I'm thinking about in design and technology who are the designers of colour that we can use as our icons 
are not used to our icons, but who are our icons and who are the ones that we're giving space to in the curriculum and the products that are being designed, that are designed by people of colour. Where are we putting those on the table for critical analysis alongside every other product that we use within design and technology? And then the final way I think um, that I'm starting this conversation for us to think about is about the context that we give to pupils, to students within the field of design and technology education. Now, I know that I've done this and I and I see this practice um, going on and I, and I can understand why it happens is the idea that we identify a context or a need that's in a different country, um, particularly in the continent of Africa, where we, with our, our white privilege, look at and think we can solve that problem. And so I think when you think about those sorts of design briefs that we set, um, to children that what are we saying is that that therefore we have the answers and we go in and we fix it and we solve it whereas actually the way forward is to look at what's happening there that uh, different peoples in different countries in different communities different cultures are designing and solving and resolving to use language from a previous podcast those different contexts those different needs and actually what do I in the West, in my white privilege, have to look at and think I need to learn from that because that will actually um, challenge how I think and how I see the world. There are people involved in doing this. I've got Court Seaman, who'll be on the podcast in a few weeks, um, talking about design epistemology, design and technology epistemology. And Court is in Australia and he's done, he's, you know, he's, he's worked, um, in indigenous communities and he, his ideas are based in his work with, not to, not for, but with, and I really like, that language is really important. And that's, that's the language that I feel is important, um, to question, um, you know, and to understand how different cultures, different peoples, different communities, indigenous peoples, uh, view the world and, and to say actually that maybe the way I've been doing it isn't right. So I'm being very open there and saying this podcast may well be saying some things wrong, but it is said with an intention of sharing ideas, sharing thoughts. Um, I'm sharing it to challenge myself. Um, and, hopefully begin a conversation where we can build up a list of case studies, examples, contexts, ways of approaching design briefs where it's participatory design rather than done to design, um, which I think is, I know that I have been guilty of in the past and, and want to challenge. I try and do it in my research when I'm writing is to try and, um, cite authors from different countries to make sure that um that I'm representing a, a wider designer technology community and not just the known knowns but the unknown knowns and go looking. Um so if anybody's got any suggestions about you know works I could cite and, and use in my work about the value of design and technology. That's another thing that I've I've been very upfront in the podcast that I'm really interested about who values it, what do they value and how do they value it in different ways. So if you know of other authors that are engaging in this from different parts of the globe, um, please do please do share that with me. If it's yourself, then please do share that with me. Um, and let's continue or start a dialogue about how we can decolonize the design and technology curriculum. So thanks for listening. 
Um, I found this a challenging podcast to record. I'd put it off. I'll be up front because um, I'm down saying some things that I know people will not agree with or will find uncomfortable or uh, just um, decide that it's not for them. And that's absolutely fine. Um, as I've said in the past, the podcast is about putting out ideas, views and opinions. And, and that's what I'm doing here. I've put out some of these views, opinions before and been allowed myself to be shouted down. But this time... I'm standing here and I'm saying, I don't know the answers. I know I'm speaking from a place of white privilege, but actually I recognise that the practice that I have within design and technology is very white and Western. And it's time that I begin to change that. I know I won't change it in an instant, but I'm hoping we can start a conversation. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Talking DT podcast with me, Alison Hardy. You can connect with me on Twitter at Hardy underscore Alison. Show notes and transcripts for each podcast episode can be found on my website, alisonhardy.work. Thanks for listening. <laughs>